Scripture this morning is from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 through 25. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor or the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you as an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Thank you, Laura. Hey, everybody, and welcome to worship, uh, all of you here in person and online. You know, I was looking uh, this last week and for Mother's Day, there were 307 of you worshiping here in person and an estimated 309 of you worshiping online. Isn't that interesting how we have so many kind of equal about both? Uh, but wherever you are, it's great to be with you today. Uh, last week I spoke with a, a woman in her 80s who's no longer able to, to come here to worship with us, and she just dearly misses it. But she watches, she goes online and watches the live stream every week. Today... Uh, we are having another Faith Link lunch uh, at noon for uh, new people. And um, we had one a couple weeks ago, and some of you got to meet our ministry directors and, and kind of learn some things about connecting here in the church. Today, I'm going to be at this one. And I look forward to, you know, just chatting, getting acquainted, maybe answering a few of your questions as well. Next Sunday, I'm going to be leading a different event, and this is called Faith Walk. This is a seminar that I lead a few uh, times a year. Uh, we're going to start with lunch. It'll run to mid-afternoon. And so if you are considering taking the step of from moving from participant to being a partner here at Faith Westwood, 
this is the step you'll want to take. Um, we, we've never tried holding the faith walk in May. I don't know. I hope it works, but I, we know this can be a full month for, for people. Um, so uh, we, hopefully we can get 10 or 12 people sign up so we can have two or three tables worth. If not, we may end up postponing it to a later date, and that will be fine too. But if you are interested, please, if you are interested in doing that next Sunday, please sign up today. All you have to do is mark uh, Faith Walk on the back of your connection card, either in person or online, and uh, Holly Timberlake will be following up, you, tell, following up with you and telling you more about it and, and filling you in. Okay? Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come as the fire and burn. Come as the wind and cleanse. Come as the light and reveal. Show us our sin. Turn us around. Set us apart until we are wholly yours. Amen. Last month, the U.S. Supreme Court heard a case involving a former football coach from Bremerton, Washington. After football games, he'd, he'd walk out onto the field, onto the 50-yard line, and take a knee, and he'd pray. Well, eventually, some of his players uh, joined him. And, uh, you know, going down and taking a knee at, after the games, and I, I thought about that. I wondered if they got the idea from Nebraska, you know, Anyway, the coach would give a short inspirational talk and then and lead in a prayer, you know, just simply thanking God uh, for what the students were able to accomplish and, you know, be, keeping them safe during the game. A few years later, the school told him he had to stop. They said he could not do this while he was on the clock for the school as a coach. Now, Personally, I always hope for a great deal of latitude for people to express their faith, even in public places. You could say that the coach and the players were freely exercising their, their faith, and no one had to join them if they didn't want to. Or you could say that when your coach goes forward to pray, there is a subtle but real pressure for the players to join in, and the school cannot be party to that pressure. You know, I'm really curious how, this, how the court's going to rule on this one. Uh, we should hear about it later next month. Religious discrimination uh, complaints against employers have actually been dropping in the last decade, uh, down by 42%. But they, of course, they still happen. Uh, one complaint filed recently was by a nurse who, because of her Pentecostal Christian faith, does not believe that women should wear pants. She only wears dresses and skirts. She was hired by an immigration detention center in, in San Antonio to provide health care for the people coming in. But when she told them her beliefs about her attire... They rescinded the offer, not giving you the job. She filed a religious discrimination complaint. Some of you may remember in the news last year uh, about a Christian group at University of Nebraska-Lincoln uh, called 
uh, Radio, Radio Christi. Uh, it sounds to me like a pop song. Radio Christi. Ra- Never mind. Anyway, actually, it's Latin for reasons for Christ. As an official campus group, they applied for funds to bring in a speaker, a professor from the University of Notre Dame, but they were denied. UNL officials said they they couldn't provide those funds because of the speaker's overt religious and political views. Now, Radio Christie said that funds for speakers with overt religious and political views have been approved for other groups. Why not them? Governor Ricketts even weighed in and advised the university to clarify its policies. Well, in October, Radio Christie filed a lawsuit against the university for religious discrimination. It's a messy world we live in, isn't it? Now, I can understand why the group filed suit. Makes sense. Maybe it was the right thing to do. I don't know. But I, I wonder if this is the right way to represent Jesus. In the decades following uh, Jesus' resurrection, more and more people all over the Roman Empire uh, become followers of Jesus. They believe in him. And many times, though, it would come with a price. It was not an easy thing. Uh, for example, G- Jesus' people in, in Asia Minor, where Turkey is now, they, they faced discrimination and persecution. And so the Apostle Paul writes them an encouraging letter. And he employs the help of his friend Silas to help him write this letter. Now, today's message is the fourth in our series, You Are Made for This. As we go through, I don't know why, but I, I've got were there instead of made. But anyway, it's my fault. Uh, you are made for this, and we're going through this letter of 1 Peter. And today's message is, follow in his steps. So I'm going to invite you to grab a Bible. If you didn't bring one, there's one in the pew rack right in front of you. Uh, We're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 2, starting with verse 11. And pew Bible starts on page 1221. And I I would ask you to please keep your Bible open throughout the message because we're going to be walking through a considerable portion of this passage. Verse 11 starts out, Dear friends, I love to translate it would be beloved. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Now, this isn't the first time in the letter that Peter has called them exiles. They're they're foreigners, but not in the literal sense. I mean, they may have lived in this town all their lives and generations past. But now, through their faith in Jesus, they have become citizens of a new kingdom. And as a result, they no longer bow before the statue of Caesar in the middle of town. And they no longer bring sacrifices to the temple of the Roman gods. And they no longer sit down and dine at the pagan festivals. In short, they don't fit in. Not anymore. They become like foreigners in their own communities. 
Now, Peter reminds them that they are fighting a battle, but it's not the battle you think. It's not a, a battle against uh, their persecutors. The real battle is with their own desires, sinful desires, because receiving salvation in Jesus doesn't mean that your sinful desires just poof and vanish, but the Lord does give us resources to win those battles. And what are the sinful desires that wage war against our souls? Well, could be anything, right? Anything that goes against God's will. But here, it's specifically focusing on the desire to get even, the desire, the urge to get revenge. When we're treated unfairly, we follow in Jesus' steps by not retaliating. We leave our case in God's hands. <clears throat> now, that is the heart of this morning's message. I hope you'll write that sentence down or two sentences and, and maybe take a picture of, of the screen with your phone, or, uh, and then you can go home and talk about it with your family or visit with it, about it with your group this week. You know, if somebody lies about you, he's saying don't, don't lie about them in return. If someone abuses you, well, get away if you can but do not abuse them in return. Would you like to say it with me? Let's give it a try. When we're treated unfairly, we follow in Jesus' steps by not retaliating. We leave our case in God's hands. And then verse 12 tells us how important it is to live a righteous life. Peter says, live such good lives among the pagans that Though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So it's the best way to refute your accusers is to live exemplary lives. Be truthful and thoughtful. Be generous and gentle. And then abstain from holding grudges and sexual immorality and arrogance and jealousy and drunkenness and rage and, and, and being easily offended. And if you can live that way, people will notice. Some of them might even become curious. A few of them might even become your friends and maybe in time they will come to believe in Jesus for themselves. And someday they will glorify God and say, thank you, Lord, for the example of my good friend here who led me to you. And then Peter reminds him, you know, life has enough trouble of its own, so don't make trouble for yourself. Don't, don't do stupid things and, and get in trouble with the law. He says, you, he says, you don't have to worship the emperor, but you do have to give him his proper due. So... Pay your taxes. Obey the laws that don't go against your faith. Stay out of trouble. And do it for Jesus. Do it for his name. Verses 13 14. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. Now, this is great in theory, right? But we know that human justice does not work perfectly. Sometimes you may be treated unfairly. 
And sometimes you may feel like raising your fist at God and saying, Lord, why are you letting this happen to me? I thought you were on my side. Or you could try rejoicing. Peter knew how to do that. You know, in the book of Acts, uh, Peter and the other uh, 11 apostles have been put in jail for proclaiming Jesus as the resurrected Messiah. And when they get out, they, what do they do? They go right back to the temple and start telling everybody about Jesus. So the leaders of the Jewish high court, called the Sanhedrin, arrest them again and have them flogged, which is a, a severe whipping, in order to them to never speak again of that name. Of course, they don't stop, do they? Acts 5.41 says, the apostles left the Sanhedrin, that high court, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Rejoicing? Really? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that flogging was very painful, but the apostles know that suffering for Jesus is a lot sweeter than abandoning him like they did when he was arrested much rather do that than turn their backs on him. So they rejoice. Now, I'm guessing that most of us have suffered very little for the name of Jesus. Would that be right? I mean, we might get a snide comment or two. That happens. But we've never been refused service at a restaurant for it. We've never been denied college entrance. We've never been kicked off of social media for it. We've never been prevented from living in a certain neighborhood or never been denied a job for it. Let's look at verse 15 because this brings up some of the same thing we saw in verse 12. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the, the ignorant talk of foolish people. So people will accuse you. That's going to happen. But if you are living an honorable life, their accusations will not stick. Hopefully, eventually, they'll shut up and quit bothering you. And, when, and you will live an honorable life when you are ready to do, you know, whatever God wants you to do. Like that first song we sang, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Who you love, I'll love. Who you serve, how you serve, I'll serve. When you are ready to live like that, you are, you are like God's slave, but out of love, right? And verse 16 says, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves, not because you have to, because you want to, doing whatever God wants you to do. And then verse 17 kind of summarizes this part. It says, show proper respect to everyone. Can you do that? Love the family of believers. Can you do that? Fear, meaning revere God. Can you do that? Honor the emperor. Pay him his due. Can you do that? And then verses 18 to 21 are addressed to Jesus' people who are really slaves, okay? Now, slavery in the Roman Empire was not the same as slavery in, in America's past, but it was, still was not good. You were property, 
Uh, you did have the opportunity, if you saved up enough money, and some did, to buy their freedom, but some masters were cruel, and uh, it was hard. I want you to know that this section makes me really uncomfortable. Because I know that in the first century as well as in now, when the, when the people of Jesus come together, we, we come as equals, right? There's no levels of stra- status with us. We, we come all as, as equals. We're family. We're free. Nobody's inferior. What bothers me is imagining slave owners quoting this paragraph to their slaves in an attempt to keep them down. Terrible. Verse 18 says, Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. Can you imagine being a slave and hear your master read the Bible to you quoting this? Let's take a closer look at what it means and what it doesn't mean. Now, the early Christian community, as I said earlier, was was a a movement of equality. Uh, They did not see that their their mission, though, was to uh, overthrow slavery in the whole Roman Empire. They, They were just trying to make sure they got it right in the church, you know? We're just trying to make sure we get it as Jesus' people, we're doing the right thing. So Peter's saying that if you're a slave and you're in this situation and you cannot change it, what are you going to do? Well, here's here's where to start. By your good behavior, represent the God you worship. And even if you are treated harshly, don't try to get revenge. Be true to the Lord. Be the better person. You probably know that uh, it was the Christian message that led to the abolition of slavery in this country and in many others. William Wilberforce championed the abolition of the slave trade throughout the British Empire, and he was motivated by his deep devotion to Christ. The clearest teaching in the New Testament about slavery comes from Paul's letter to Philemon urging him to free his slave. You know, I read a passage like this, though, and I wonder, well, okay, how does that apply to me today? And I think about it, and I go, well, we're not slaves, but many of us are employees, right? And, uh, and I have found that this world is full of a lot of bad bosses. Can you agree with that? Wow, you really do agree with that. <laughs> and, and you either have had a bad boss or you have one now or you will have one. And one of the biggest reasons that people leave a job uh, is not so much the work they have to do or their pay, it's the people, especially the boss. And yet, sometimes, even then, you find yourself where you just can't leave that job. Or the cost of of leaving that job is just going to be so high, you say, "I I just can't. I need to stick with it. And so you have to stay working for this unfair manager. What do you do? 
when you can't change that situation. You look to Jesus. Verse 23. Can you skip down to verse 23 with me? When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And so that's what we do. We do not retaliate. We do not threaten. We leave the judging up to God because that is what Jesus did. As we said before, when we're treated unfairly, we follow in Jesus' steps by not retaliating. We leave our case in God's hands. Now, have I ever been treated unfairly by a boss? You know, it's hard for me to think of, of that. I, I don't really know. Um, I, I, most of my real, like, immediate level boss has been my district superintendent. And, uh, I, and I've had some terrific, wonderful superintendents. And I've only had a problem with one of them. Um, and I remember he called me into his office one day and started badgering me. I, I, I didn't know, where is this coming from? Uh, and so after that, I was kind of, you know, a little bit nervous because your superintendent, and when you're a pastor, the superintendent can have a lot of power over your life. And I thought, well, I could ask to move to a different district, but we weren't really ready to move at that point. And obviously, he's in a position of power over me, and there wasn't a whole lot I could do about it. But I could be gracious, and I could be the best person I can be, and I can leave the rest up to God. I found out later that he was in the late stages of alcoholism, and I wonder if that may have had something to do with his behavior to me that day. Verse 21 is actually my favorite verse in this whole uh, letter of 1 Peter. Uh, and the, uh, the entire what would Jesus do thing that we used to be real popular some years back and the bracelets and everything, it all stems from this verse and, an, and a book that was written uh, on this theme. It says, to this you were called. And this means that sometimes you may have to suffer for doing good. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Now, Peter knows that Jesus is more than our example. He's our Savior and Lord. He's our good shepherd. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Uh, but he's also our example, especially in his suffering. He was insulted, but he did not respond with insults. He was threatened, but he did not respond with threats. He left it up to the one who judges justly. To this you are called, that you should follow in his steps. You are made for this. Let's pray. 
But Lord Jesus, you warned us that, that, that people who hate you will also hate us. You said that, that we are blessed when we are insulted for belonging to you. You told us to rejoice and be glad. Lord, we confess that sometimes that takes more faith than we have. And so we're asking you to help us, encourage us, build us up uh, so that we can, we can see it as an honor to share in your suffering. Oh, Lord, strengthen us, give us courage and boldness so that our good lives may point others to you. And now let's join together in Jesus' kingdom prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's stand.